0: always encouraged when we see newfound faith in Jesus Christ and it just tells us you're still in the life-changing business and some of us who've trusted you for a long time we need to see this uh, because um, this is the new hope the everlasting hope that we have that Jesus is still in the business of changing lives so thank you now as we hear your word may we take it as that living powerful to us written this 3,000 years ago and yet ever so relevant to our lives today may we take it to heart we pray in Christ's name amen so um have you ever gone to buy a car and you're thinking about it and maybe you're in a family setting and so you talk about it with the members of your family Have you ever done this so it takes maybe a few weeks. You think about a car. We need to get a car. This one's breaking down. We need to get, and you think, oh, what do we get? What do we get? So then you narrow it down. And then you narrow it down some more. And you go, oh, we want mileage. Oh, but we want enough for four people or five people or whatever it is. Oh, I need to carry luggage. And then you think, I want that back door that clips up that I can run my foot under it. And it just opens. And I don't want a car that drives itself because I don't trust people enough to do that. I want to be able to drive it myself. And so then you land on it. You decide, oh, this is what we're, so we're going to think about. And then, have you ever had this happen? And then that next week, that's all you see. You, you decide, uh, we're looking for Toyota Corollas. And then you see Toyota Corollas everywhere. Have you ever had this happen? Yeah. Or you're, it's a Chevy Traverse. Or for some of you, it's a Ford Pinto. You know, you, you want that. You, you see them everywhere. Don't you? Isn't it? It's really true. Let me, let me tell you, that there's a, there's a parallel to that it's it's you see what you're looking for and if you'll do that with proverbs and if you'll read proverbs and don't study it just read it read one every day or two every day three every day why because then when you hit a life situation you're going to see your life situation and get wisdom for the day in those 31 chapters and you will see your life interact with it. it and then the Lord will bring it to memory and so what I've done for today is this we're going to take that model, which is called a word study model. It's where we find particular words we're looking for only in one book. It's the book of Proverbs. And today I'm looking at, at the occurrences of uh, mother and father and son and daughter, parents, children. Uh, how does wisdom relate to family life? And the conclusion I come to is this. And we'll, we'll be able to come to this conclusion when I'm, I'm done. But the conclusion is this it's a wise move in life to honor the family and to honor your own family and instead of me speaking to it what we do is you just look up the occurrences and let the occurrences of the scriptures speak for themselves let the bible speak for itself so here we go we're in proverbs chapter one chapter chapter one verse eight listen my son to your father's instructions stop right there you see a father-son relationship already And do not forsake your mother's teaching. I see a difference between your father's instruction, your mother's teaching. Parents, you have something important to give to your children. Don't let them push you off. Don't let them uh, sigh, roll their eyes, walk away. No, you have something to say to them. Okay, so wise children will pay attention. And wise parents will insist upon it. Pay attention. This is important. Okay, that's chapter one. Chapter three. Why is wisdom so important? Because the Lord disciplines those he loves chapter 3, verse 12, as a father, the son, and in, he in delights in. If you're taking notes, you just want to start references down. The, what does the Lord do? He disciplines those he loves. Fathers discipline their children. And by the way, fathers that don't discipline their children, I wonder if they really love them. Do you see the flip of that equation? Just let that kind of soak in your brain for a bit the lord disciplines those he loves if he didn't love you he would never correct you he would never bring you back into line he would never he would never do a course correction on you if he didn't love you and that's what a father does when he when he corrects his son or his daughter why does he do that because he loves them. he doesn't want his life to to wreck undisciplined children get this are a sign perhaps the father doesn't really care okay keep reading now you're in chapter three turn the page to chapter four Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay again and and gain understanding. So you gain instruction, but you also gain ah moments, understanding. Turn the page again to chapter 6, verse 20. My son, keep your father's command. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. I see a difference between command and teaching. Seems to repeat itself, but it's repeating it. I think think there's a valuable lesson to be learned. Here it is. Whenever a text gets repeated, it's there to make sure you make sure. This is on the final exam, people. (laughs) Whenever a professor repeats it, you can just about be sure it's going to be there. So my son, keep your father's command. And there's a difference. Go back to the text. Look just for a moment. There's a difference between command and the mom's teaching. So the dad may go, we're doing it this way or stop that or start that. And that's a command. And mom is coming in and backfilling going, well, here's why we're doing that. This is what's happened. That's why mom and dad have to be one in this. That's why you need a mom and a dad who both believe and follow the Lord and and obey his precepts and want the same goal for the child. And when the father's commands are lived out and mom's understanding of those and she teaches the children that, what it does, it gives them a repeated hit that this is the right way. This is gonna be a joyful life for me. Turn the page again to chapter 10. Verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. Stop there. This is really true. It's really true when you think about it. How many times have you seen a, a dad go, yeah, that's my boy. You ever seen that? Oh, yeah, all the time. And a foolish son brings grief to the mother. Well, I'm really worried about him. I mean, if you've, yeah, you've seen that. He just doesn't seem right. I don't know what happened, but I worry for him. Yeah, and, and it, that's, I think there's, a, there's an ingredient happening too. Dads have a certain wiring and moms have a certain wiring. This is why God put moms and dads together to create the family unit. Uh, and it's in that environment that a child is raised. And when there's a mom and dad together, you get different perspectives on the same thing. And that, that leads to a, a healthy, balanced child. a a wholesome child who can leave home who can grow up and become independent on his own so go back now a wise son brings joy to his father but a foolish son brings grief to his mom now keep reading chapter 10 skip down to chapter 13 a couple more pages a wise son heeds his father's instruction but a mocker does not respond to rebukes so a wise son get this chapter 10 verse 1 he listens to his dad and his instruction but the mocker, now there's stages in, the, in Proverbs. You have this innocent, clueless guy. He's naive. That's, that's not good. But, but he's not the next step down, which is a fool. And then you have the next step down, which is the mocker. And then you have the wretch or the scorner. Okay? And it's, if you look at those in the negative, you'll see uh, there's this naive, innocent guy who is gullible. Right? Gullible. But he's, at least he's not a fool. But what's worse than a fool? A fool who makes fun of fools and actually encourages foolery. That's the mocker. Now, go in understanding that, go back and look at the text again. A wise son, he's his father's instruction, but a mocker does not respond to rebukes. In other words, he doesn't listen. He doesn't take it. A wise son will listen, and, and the dad will go, pay attention. you got to get this. But if you don't get it, you're i need to rebuke you i need to i need to get i need to raise my tone and you did know that this is serious why because if you don't get this this will be a heartbreak to all of us if you don't get this if you don't get this your your life is going to be shipwrecked it's gonna be bad news a number of years ago i was on a school trip with our kids and um all the talking in the world I could do didn't do what one little tour did. We were on a little trip into the city and uh, we were, uh, they needed some parents to go and so I went because we had a couple of our kids in that group and so I went and that day, the tour took us to the county jail. Oh boy. And we went to the county jail and they, and they showed you how people get processed. How they go in. And then they took us down a hall and then we heard this shkunk. We were in. Oh my. Kids got, there was a holy hush with these kids. I mean, a holy hush. And then they went down the hall, and then there was this cell that was like 10 by 10. It had two cots and a sink. Two cots and a sink. And he goes, this is when a guy is drunk driving, this is where we put him. And some kid goes, yeah, my room's about that big. He goes, yeah, yeah, it's good for you, but that we, we, on a weekend, we'll have six guys in there. Six? But you only have two cots, yeah. That's why they fight a lot. But it doesn't really matter because they're drunk. Okay, all the yelling and screaming I could do in the world was nothing compared to what that officer did for those kids that day. And he goes, and when you hear this, and he closed the gate, the, you know the steel hitting steel. Act like you don't understand, and then, you know, it just, I just I've read about it in a book, but I've never experienced it personally. Okay, boom. Oh my, that's a creepy place to be, isn't it? I went into a, co- a county lockup once. And I was there to see a friend. Okay. But uh, they checked me out. And um, it was interesting. This particular place didn't even allow like a hardback. I went to take a Bible. I could take the Bible in, but they ripped the covers of the Bible off. They didn't want any hardback. So they allowed the paper to go. But not the hardback. say, so rip the hardback. Like, it's the Bible. You know, and then they put me in a, a doorway. It was like a phone booth. And I, Some of you don't know what a phone booth is. But, and then the door locks behind me. But the, um, the door in front of me didn't open. But I'm in this room. That was creepy. That was creepy. And then eventually, when it was clear, they opened. And I went into the, into the lockup to see my friend. I'm telling you, those are the kinds of lessons you do not forget quickly and if you don't take instruction from mom and dad or if mom and dad don't give the instruction or don't point to the wisdom way what's going to happen it's going to be a heartbreak for everybody now go back to the text again a wise son will heed his father's instruction but a mocker someone who makes fun of fools actually encourages foolery he won't respond to the rebuke and he becomes a heartbreak and that's why it's okay when they don't get it to say, listen up. This is going to get intense. And if you don't straighten up, this is what will happen. Give them the consequences. Show them what will happen. I was with a dad who couldn't get through to their adultish child. You know what I'm talking about, when adultish. They're out of high school. But they're not growing up. And they aren't taking responsibility. And that, did, that dad did maybe the best thing for that kid that day. He drove that kid out in the country to another town and took him to what he knew to be a day motel. It's a day motel because homeless people live there. And then he parked outside that motel and just said, this is your life if you continue to do this. And they sat for an hour and just cried because people came and left. They were doing laundry. They were trying to do laundry in a sink, trying to hang it out. And they didn't have enough money for the room and they were just making enough money to make it. They didn't have anything, they had nothing to cook on. It was a miserable life. It was a a horrible hotel, motel. But you know what? It was that kind of call is the wake-up call for that adultish young person. And it saved them grief later in life because they realized that's not the path I want. That's the path I'm on. Okay. Your job as a parent is to look down that path for them and say, this is where you're headed. That sounds ugly, but actually it's very loving. Okay, keep reading. Chapter 13, you're at verse one. Skip down to verse 22. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. So for your grandchildren, leave them a wad. When you die, it's okay. Leave them a little bit of benefit. But don't give them just money. Give them something valuable for eternity. An inheritance to their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. Give a jump start to your kids. That's an okay thing to do. But give them wisdom with that. Give them insight. Tell them this is the money, but this is the money that came because I worked these hours. I've told you this before, but my my granddad's made it big by going to the steel mill. One was a coal miner and got to the steel mill. They worked when they were sick. They taught me the value of work. That, to me, is the inheritance from the children's to the children's children. Give something of eternal value to them, and when you do, then make sure you attach Jesus to it because that's what really matters. Again, chapter thirteen, verse twenty-two. Look at verse twenty-four. Whoever spares the rod hates his children their children but the one who loves their children will be careful to discipline them so it, it doesn't feel good to discipline them you don't like it I don't like it but it, it's important that they struggle why because if you don't struggle they are not gonna make it they're just not gonna make it it's the nut that finally burst out and and finds a root and then grows the tree and it takes forever for that tree to come but it was a struggle and that's what gives it a strong tree it's a bird that if you've, if you've seen a bird come out of the shell and that, that, that struggle to come out of the shell is important because if, that's, if that bird does not struggle to get out of the shell, that bird will not be able to fly because part of the struggle of breaking out of the shell builds the muscle for that bird to be able to fly. And when you drive home this afternoon and you look and you see birds in the sky, you realize... These things weigh something, and yet they can soar through the air. It's amazing how God designed them. And God designed them to struggle early so they could fly later. And if you'll help your children struggle early and don't make it too easy on them, they will fly later. It's the same way with a cocoon of, uh, uh, of what looks like a dead piece on a branch, and it becomes the butterfly, which is beautiful. But there's a struggle to come out of the cocoon, and if it doesn't happen, that butterfly will never fly. So my word to you is, help them with the struggle, stay with them in the struggle, but don't take the struggle away from them. When they get in trouble at school, let them be in trouble at school. Don't excuse the behavior. Do not excuse it. And don't, don't think that this will, uh, I'll get them out of trouble, we'll save them. no. Actually, being in trouble will save them for later to be in worse trouble. Chapter 13, verse 24. But whoever loves his children is careful to discipline them. Make sure you discipline them. Um, Your job is not to be their friend when they're young. Your job is to be their dad or their mom. Be the parent. And if you'll be a good mom or dad, then later in life when they grow to become adults you'll have a friend who's an adult friend. It'll be wonderful then. But if you don't do the job early on, you won't have a friend later. Keep reading now. Chapter 15, verse 20. I love this one. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Look at the, there's not even action here. There's only emotion. There's joy and despise. I find this interesting, and you can maybe study this on your own. Sometimes uh, the dads he's hes happy when he's got a, a good son. And when it doesn't go well, the dad will go, well, we'll try that again. We'll get this right. We're going to do this until we get it right. But he's not as emotional about it. He's, he's emotional when it's happy, when it's good. But when it's not, it doesn't seem to bother him. But the mother, if if the son ends up being a fool, the mother is despised. Somehow mom gets blamed for all this. That's why when, you know, you pull out a picture and he's in the eighth grade and here's his school picture in the eighth grade and, and the dad goes, yeah, it's my boy. And the mom goes, I should have ironed that shirt before picture day. Right? Isn't that true? It's true. Uh, so, so here's where I want to stop right now and just tell dads, one of the things you can do to help your kids be better spouses later is to explain mom, your wife, to your kids. So this is how you treat a lady. She's feeling that way because of this. And the earlier they learn those clues, the, the better off they're going to be. And And then when they say, well, why do you do that? And you respond, because I love her and I cherish her. And then they'll realize There's no separating you two. I can't get between you two. I've told you this before, but when I was a kid, this is hard for you to believe, I know, but I was a little bit ornery. I was second born, so I had to fight my way because I had an older brother. And uh, one time I wanted to go do something, and uh, so I asked my mom, can I do this? She said, no. But I knew down deep she wanted to say yes. I just knew so I I knew that I didn't get the answer from my mom that I wanted so I got on my bike and I rode across town to my dad's office, dropped my bike in the yard walked in the office plopped down in a chair like I owned the place I was like 10 or something, I don't know how old I was I said hey, I liked it, and I think it was go to the pool with my friends or something and my dad says, so what would your mom say? (laughs) so what did I do? Bullface lies, what I did. I said, Well, mom, mom said it was okay with her, she just wanted me to check with you. Okay then. So what does my dad do? He leans back and calls home. Okay, <laughs> then no, 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 no. No. And that, that phone call lasted not 60 seconds. And that day, not only did I not get to go to the pool, but I got to do some extra chores. I'm mean, my dad got some extra stuff done around the house. Do you know why? Because my dad loves me. And he will not put up with foolishness. And he will not let anything come between him and his wife. Not even me. And I, I look at him like, you love me. You know, not like I love your mom. Do you, do you understand the lesson I learned young? And that was sweet. And my kids have played that on us. And it doesn't work. Why? Because I learned it from my dad. You can't separate us. You can try all you want. Can't do it. So um, here's the other thing too. If, if, if guys, if you'll take the moment that's tough and you'll explain what's happening with mom, that gives an insight for them to pay attention to the emotional, the nonverbal communication that's happening. And it helps them grow up emotionally. Because not only do you want... Uh, uh, brain intelligence you want social intelligence and spiritual intelligence non-verbal intelligence that's part of the training process okay keep reading proverbs 17 verse 6 children's children are crowned to the age the parents are the pride of their children i've seen grandparents introduce me to their grandbabies then they say this is my grandbaby and i go he's 28 isn't he He's he's still my grandbaby yeah Because that's how proud they are still my little baby so just know that if you do this well you will die happy you will die happy knowing that you have a heritage of your children's children who follow the lord but a foolish son chapter 17 verse 25 a foolish son brings grief to his father and bitterness to the mother who bore him bitterness to the mother so if it ever sinks to the level that the dad's no longer proud or joyful you understand he's He's up here, she's right here hanging on. So if the dad comes down to that level, the mom comes down even further emotionally. So if the dad is disappointed, if he's at grief, verse 25, guess where the mom is? She is downright bitter. Bitter. Like why in the world did I even give birth? Don't raise your hand. Don't nod, don't look at a kid right now. I love the words of Mark Lowry. Mark Lowry sings in the Gaither vocal band. And Mark, I say this lovingly, Mark has a master's degree in ADHD. I mean, he is attention deficit, but he's so hyper, you can't hardly even catch up to the attention deficit because he's so hyper. And he's like, I don't know how old, 65 years old. And, and the ADHD has not worn off. And his mother finally looked at him one day when he was a young adult and looked at him and just said, and now you know why some mamas eat their young. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But a foolish son brings grief to the father. And if it's that bad for dad, it's even worse for mom. She'll be downright bitter. And she's the one who bore him. See, you understand how deeply this goes. Keep reading, chapter 19, verse 18. Discipline your children, for then there's hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. Don't you do it. So what do you take away from this verse? Discipline. When you discipline your children, there's hope. But if you don't discipline them, there is no hope, no hope, none. You think you can do this? You can't do it without discipline. It doesn't happen. And some and some people. I I, I uh, I'm a fan of Tony Dungy. I Dungy has been uh, played for the played football for um. Oh, that little team in Pittsburgh, the Steelers. That's it. But then he coached Tampa Bay and he coached the Colts, Indianapolis Colts, to a Super Bowl championship. He's a believer in Jesus, he's a, he's a godly guy. He's a read his books, he's a good guy. But he would tell high schoolers, you, you're banking on making it to the pros. You're banking on making it to the pros. So let me tell you, one of you, and he's in a locker room with some high schoolers, he goes, one of you will make it to college, uh, to play football, one. And the ones who make it to college, one of them will make it to the pros. In other words, what's he saying? Not many of you will make it. So don't bank on that. So what do you have to bank on? You have to bank on your discipline that you're going to have hope, that you're going to do the right thing, even if no one else does. Because you think you're, gonna, you're all that, and you're not when you're young. Okay, chapter 20, verse 20. If someone curses their father and mother, their lamp will be stuffed out in pitch darkness. I don't know how... Any other way to read that verse than to say it is not good. Curse your mom and dad, and your life is in the dark pits. Chapter 22, verse 6, a verse many of us have memorized. Start off, uh, start children off in the way they should go. And even when they're old, they'll not turn from it. There's no substitute for a great start. So make sure that it happens. In the Hebrew, the word is actually, the phrasing is actually more like the King James. Train up a child in the way he goes. In other words, in the bent of the child. In other words, train up the child in the way he goes. In other words, in the bent of the child, in the nature of the child. Because some of our kids are are bent more to numbers, and others are artists, and some are are more bent towards analysis, and others towards music, and some like to talk, and others don't like talk, and some are bent towards literature, and others towards justice, and some are groupies, and some are not. Some are leaders and some are followers. And so you have to know that about your child because if one approach doesn't work, you've got to figure out a different approach for that child. And if you have four different kids, and, and they may come from the same mom and dad genetically, but they, they are wired differently. Why is that? Psalm 139, because we are fearfully, wonderfully made. Therefore, the wiring on each of the kids is unique. So you have to understand your child and know how you train that child. And in light of that, then you start them off the right way. You know them better than anybody else. And by the way, you can't think, oh, the school will do this for them. No, they can't. And if they did, you wouldn't like what they did. And you say, well, I'll give them to the state. You wouldn't like what the social worker would do. So God's design is for the family. This is the original small group. It's a husband and a wife who bear children. And they do their best work when they leave mom and dad first and cling to each other. So understand your children. And then chapter 23, verse 19. Listen, my son, be wise. Set your heart, get your heart on the right path. That's a verse well worth memorizing at the dinner table. Listen, my son, my daughter, set your heart right and get on the right path. Look at the path that you're on. Is it going to, to the place you want to go? Chapter 23, Again, verse 24, the father of a righteous child has great joy. The father of a, a, a man who fathers a wise son rejoices in. Look at the emotion again. See it? There's, there's joy. There's, there's terrific emotion. They, they rejoice. Chapter 23, verse 25, may your father and mother rejoice. May she who gave birth to you be joy. I am so glad I gave birth to you. Yeah verse uh, chapter 29 verse 19 of a rod and reprimand impart wisdom but a, a child left undisciplined what does he do he disgraces not dad mom you see it it's a heartbreak to mom so guys if you love your wife if you love your wife discipline your children it's what i'm taking away from this and by doing that you'll be saying to your wife i got you babe we're in this together because it's a heartbreak when it doesn't work well And this is the verse I would like, well, chapter 30, verse 17. The eye that mocks a father that scorns an aged mother will be pecked out by the ravens of the valley, will be eaten by the vultures. I love that verse. I want it printed on T-shirts and sold at the mall. (laughs) If kids knew that, they would go, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. It would be my pleasure. You know, I would think they would just respond differently if they knew ravens were circling. Chapter 31, one more. This is the passage of the wise woman who is a virtuous, beautiful woman. Her children rise and call her blessed. So does her husband. And he praises her. So, guys, if you just if you just laud it onto your wife, repeatedly make sure in front of the kids that you bless your wife and say, We're in this together. And and what she does, I could never do. I mean, she's she understands the psyche of the kids better than I do, and that's okay. I'm going to do what I can do, but one thing's for sure. They're not going to come between us. I'm going to offer this well, but I I want to rise and call her blessed. Now, so what's the big idea here? It's to honor your, your family. Honor your family. So kids, here it is. Really simple, three words. Listen, obey, honor. Listen, obey, honor. You can't obey if you aren't listening. But you know what? You have to do that if you're going to follow the Lord all of your life. You have to learn somewhere down the line how to listen. So listen well, honor them. And by the way, after you can be 40 years old and you still need to honor your mom and dad. Even if you leave, marry, have children of your own, you still want to honor your mom and dad. Why? Because you're setting the model for how your children will treat you when you're 60 and 80 and 100 years of age. And then parents, give the family a heart for the Lord. Make following Jesus a priority. Whatever you do, you you attach it to getting them closer to God. And we do this because we honor God. We don't do this just because we like discipline. We do this because we want to honor God. So you teach, you lead, you train, you rebuke, you talk all about terms of godliness. And you do this when you get up, when you go to bed. You do it on your way to work and on your way back. And no one else can do this like you can. And, And here's what I see. I see people who invest, not invest, but they'll blow thousands of dollars on vacation. They'll take flights and get tickets and they'll go on excursions and they'll do all kinds of crazy things. And I ask myself, how much are you investing for eternity? How much of this is actually mattering? And you go, well, well, I want to give them a good time. And that's not the goal. The goal is to train them up well to be godly kids. And if along the way you enjoy uh, an, an entertainment along the way, that's fine. But the bigger goal is I need my son, and my daughter, to be godly. I need them to trust Jesus. I want them to love the Lord. Now, and that begs the question: You, you will spend thousands on vacations, and then, um, and then we wonder well, why aren't our kids? When we, we could have invested in books and entertainment, and music. I mean, you could have gone to Christian concerts, could have gone to Christian camp over the summer. Their life could be revolutionized. There's Christian camps out there, like kind of outward-bound kind of camps that just teach all kinds of trust. But in the midst of that, teach a godly kind of quality to it, to, as well. And if you'll invest in that, you'll be saying to your children, you know, Disney's okay, but this is even better because it has a payout for eternity. And it's not to say I can't do the other things, but I don't want to do them and then not do these others. Um, young people will develop the, this um, uh, when, they're, when they're launching, particularly as they leave home as they leave home, get this, that's when they'll begin to question were mom and dad really right? And if you take them and hand them to even college professors, universities, and they completely mess up their worldview, if there isn't a Christian organization on that campus, or a local church, or you're at a Christian school, there's a risk there, serious risk. That needs to be part of the planning process. So even when you're looking at colleges, and I, and I know you're saying, well, I, I gotta go where the money is. You don't need to go where the money is. You need to go where the heart is and where, where godly values will be cherished. Um, and I've been on state campuses where, where um, really good Christian organizations are there, and they help keep people found, uh, grounded in the word of God. It can be done, but you need to look at Christian colleges. You just open your eyes to it all because you only get one chance, really, to launch them, and you want to do it well. Um, so teach and lead and train all towards godliness, and, and thirdly, don't be afraid to discipline them. Don't be afraid to discipline them, and I, by that, some of, some of us in the room, are, you, you go absolutely ballistic over an unmade bed or a trash can that's more than half full, and I'm going, I don't know if that's a battle worth fighting. I, and I believe in made beds and doing laundry and being responsible. I, I, I want that. But, but what really concerns me, what if the bed's made and the trash is empty, but there's a coolness to holiness? What if their heart is callous to Jesus? That's a topic we have to go for a drive on talk about. That's worth going to get lunch together and chatting uh, what if they have an independent spirit? What if their eyes are rolling? You don't want to miss out on the opportunity to discipline them well and to train them. What if the issue is pride or arrogance? You don't want to miss out on that. Um, one of my all-time heroes, and you, don't, you don't know this guy, his name is Joe Stoll. You probably don't know him. He is the president of a small university in Michigan. He used to be the president of Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, but he pastored in Detroit, pastored in, in Indiana as well. He's just a great guy. He tells his story, not my story, it's his. He said, my kids are growing up outside Detroit. He said, one of the things I love about my life is my front yard. I just, I love to have a nice pristine yard. He said, I don't even like to hire it out. I like to mow it, trim it, like the shrubs, everything just right. It's my thing. Well, so his son's having a birthday. So what would you like? He said, well, what I'd like is a basketball backboard. He goes, no, that's going to mess up the front yard. It's that's, that's not something I want on the front of the house. It's eyesore. He goes, okay. Next year comes on. What would you like? I, just basketball. It's, it's all I care about. Right? Joe Joe's, yeah, I want It's just, I like the yard the way it is. I like the look. I like the drive up. It looks good. And his son's growing up. All that's going on. there. Finally, he breaks down. And he says, okay, I'll I'll get you the backboard. So he installs this backboard. It's a big, you know how it is, it's got orange paint on it. You know, it just doesn't, it clashes with anything on the house, but it's a backboard above the garage. And his son plays some ball, and some kids come over, and they play ball while Joe's mowing the yard and trimming the shrubs. And then, one day, Joe has to do a funeral for a 12-year-old kid. And when he comes home from the funeral, he pulls around the corner and sees the backboard. And he immediately goes in the house, goes upstairs, and he says, taps on his son's door and says, Hey, son, let's, let's go out and shoot some hoops. And he says, I can't right now, Dad. I have some homework. And Joe says, I walked down the hall and went, Dang, it, I missed it. I missed it. If he had just said yes earlier, you would have had the opportunity to instill, he would had teaching moments and fun moments. And my word to you is, don't miss it. There's a country song called, Don't Blink. It's really true, because you're going to wake up one day and be 90. And you'll say, where did it go? Don't blink. So, my word to parents is, When you train them and nurture them and then make sure that you have moments that are just enjoyable a sense of togetherness where you affirm each other in the lord and then to grandparents one more then we're going to pray stay honorable give them something that is priceless don't just give the money Attach to that money if you give them something give them a heritage of the lord tell them the story that goes with it okay and then wrap it in the eternal message make sure that that's see that's what's really going to last and why would we do that i'll tell you why we would do that it's not just so we have neat and tidy families it isn't because most families are not neat and tidy only from a distance what it is is this when god designed the family he actually models it as christ's love for the church and if we will act the way we could act and should act as christians as christ followers we will be modeling for our generation and for the generations to come what sacrificial love is like. And, and what, what sacrificial love is like and how enduring it is and how patient it is and how kind it is and how it never gives a bad word. Instead, it is a model of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So our Father in heaven, we don't want to miss out on this opportunity. We want the wise words that are yours preserved over the ages to have not stellar families for our pride we don't want that we want stellar families for your glory because we want jesus to be seen and we want jesus to be honored and modeled in our marriages in our family lives this kind of sacrificial life uh, uh, love that he gave towards us and we thank you and praise you in christ's name amen